0: Welcome to our online campus. We are so glad you are joining us today. We want you to know that we are a church that is for you and we believe God is too. Take a moment before we get started to grab a coffee and invite a friend to join you online. You can do that by clicking the blue button under the video or by texting them our link, gracefreechurch.live. If you are new here, click the gray connect button. We would love to connect with you and add you to our email list so you don't miss out on anything going on at Grace. We also have a gift for you. Use the chat section on this page so you can engage in our online community. Feel free to jump in, we'd love to hear from you. We're about to get started with worship and then a message from God's word that will make sense for your life, followed by a few more songs. Please know that we are praying for you, we are here for you, and we are excited to worship our God together.
1: come the storm that surrounds me just one word the darkness has to retreat oh just one touch i feel the presence of head just one touch my eyes were open to see my heart can't help but believe there's nothing that our god can't do there's not a mountain that he can't move oh praise the name that makes a way there's nothing that our god can't do oh just one word you heal what's broken inside just one word and you revive every dream just one touch i feel the power of heaven just one touch my eyes are open to see my heart can't help but believe there's nothing that Faith arise, let all the agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for oh, greater things, there's no power like
3: Us, the only one you could ever say worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you
4: Good morning. It's good to be with you today. Uh, it is a privilege to be here. I've been asking Pastor Josh, when are you going to invite me to come? And so I, I was like, is this what it took? Really? Is this what it took? And so uh, can I just tell you, I love your pastor. And I'm not just saying that because he's in the room. I, I just am so thankful. You are blessed. Um, and I know, I think you know that. I, th- I love his love for you. I meet with a lot of pastors and oftentimes Um, A lot of it is spent, a lot of those times are spent complaining about the congregation. And I don't hear that from your pastor. If I did, I wouldn't even bring that up. And so, but the reality is I love the fact that he is passionate about the people here at Grace. And as I've been able to watch and see how you've come alongside Pastor Josh and his family as they grieve um, the loss of a godly, godly man, uh, Pastor Randy, um, I am so happy that he has you as well. Um, I know it's not been easy uh, these last number of uh, weeks um, for you, having to release a pastor um, who has been such a tremendous influence in this church, and then also to release your pastor for a season as he he grieves. Um, But it only speaks of your character, your maturity, uh, of a team who gets it and is willing to uh, make long-term decisions uh, and, and so I just, I just want to applaud you uh, this morning. It's an honor for me to be here with you. I bring you greetings from the Eastern District. And, and um, this church is, um, is truly a, an example for many of the churches in our district. And I, know, and I don't say that a lot of places. Uh, your reputation precedes you. And so it is truly a privilege uh, and an honor to be with you today today. Um, so as Scott said, I grew up on Long Island and been there my whole life. I love being near the ocean. I love being near the city. Uh, and, and so it's just a great mix for us. And and one of the things I love to do is love, I love being out on the water and, and uh, we love to camp. we we'll put a camper on the ocean beach there and uh, spend a lot of time fishing. And um, But when I was younger was about 15 years old. I had had convinced my friends that it would be a good idea for us to go and rent one of those little rowboats with the engine on the back and, and go on to the Long Island Sound. Now, don't Let the title of that make you think that the Long Island Sound is calm. Uh, There's nothing sound about the Long Island Sound when a storm blows in. And it was one of those days that was just very overcast. There was clearly a storm was on the horizon, and so Knucklehead gets this idea that today looks like a great day for us to go fishing. And so my friends are like, "Are you sure this is a great idea?" I'm like, "Listen, trust me. I know." what I'm talking about. I mean, I've done this before. I mean, check out Gilligan here, right? We know, what know, remember Gilligan's Island, right? Well, we went on the three-hour tour right? And so I convinced them, and what was interestingly even more shocking was I was able to convince the people at the rental center that I was a seasoned enough sailor at the ripe old age of 15 to weather any storm necessary. And the only thing stupider than that was the fact that they actually believed me and let us go out there. And so we get in this little 15-foot boat with the engine on the back, and, and we're heading on out there, and it's me and two other guys, and Willie was one of those guys that really had to eat always, right? And so Willie eats his ham sandwich in the morning and washes it down with a nice orange soda, which we will revisit later on. And, and so we head on out to a, for a three-hour tour, right? And, and all of a sudden, the wind starts blowing just like they anticipated, and the rain starts coming, and the waves start picking up, and my friends are looking at me like, see, I told you this was a really stupid idea. Why are we out there? And I'm getting a little nervous thinking, yeah, this probably is a little bit more than I bargained for. And so we're kind of zipping around and and Willie's getting all kinds of seasick and and we're trying to, we're bailing water out of the boat, which is extremely exhausting. We're far enough offshore. And we're like, we just need to get as close to shore as we possibly can. And so at this point, Willie's lost it, right? And he's chumming the water and he's chumming the boat. And and there's just all kinds of foul all over the place. And we're, you know, emptying the boat out. It was crazy. Well, finally, we end up getting onto the shore. And they looked at me and they were like, we will never again listen to you. I lost a lot of credibility with my friends that day. And rightly so, they shouldn't have listened to a a 15-year-old when I told them it was a good day to get out in a boat and go fishing. I want to talk to you today about a time that Jesus sent his friends out on a fishing trip or a boating expedition on a day that thankfully had different results than, than um, what I was able to uh, present to my friends. But we read about this uh, in Mark's narrative, uh, Mark chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there uh, with me. Mark chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 35. The title of my message is this, When Water Gets in Your Boat. When Water Gets in Your Boat. Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in a boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling with water. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why, are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this, speaking about Jesus, that even the wind and the sea obey him? What an awesome scene we have in the life of Jesus and his disciples. However, I want to zoom in a little bit as we consider this story. I want to take a look at this, looking at this scene through the lens of the disciples and what they may have learned about Jesus and learned about themselves. And then you and I are going to jump in the boat as well. And we're going to take a look and see what we might learn about ourselves and about Jesus as we may have found ourselves in some storms of life when the water started getting into the boat of our lives. You know, the scripture oftentimes will relate the storms of life that we have with natural storms, right? The psalmist declares in Psalm 46, he says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Because of that, he says, therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives away, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though, the, through its, water, though its waters roar and foam though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And so we see the scriptures oftentimes will, rely, will, will display this, use the storms of life and liken it to these natural storms. And I've discovered something. I've discovered that, that the greater the storm, the greater the story. The greater the storm, the, the greater the rescue. The greater the test, the, the greater the testimony. And as we look at the storms of life that are oftentimes introduced into the disciples' lives and also in our lives, if we have, we have the luxury of hindsight, we can look and see how many of the storms that we've been forced to endure, things that we've never wanted or asked for, right? Yet they produce something in us that we would do well to take a moment of pause and consider today. Here's what Jesus is saying to his disciples, we see right from the beginning, it's a little bit of a a, a spoiler alert, right? Jesus opens up, this narrative opens up by Jesus saying, hey, look, let us go on over to the other side. You see, Jesus lays out the destination before the journey even took place. The reality of it is Jesus already confirmed that success was on the horizon. We're going to go on over to the other side. You see, when Jesus says he's going to do something, we can rest assured it's going to happen, right? If Jesus said we're going to get on to the other side, you don't need a boat, you don't need water, you don't need wind. It doesn't matter what gets introduced into your journey. If Jesus says he's going to bring you on over to the other side, then you can rest assured that you're going to get on over to the other side because Jesus never fails to follow through. Jesus never reneges on his promise. And so Jesus says to them, hey, we're going to get on over to the other side. It's really important for you and I to remember the goodness of God in times of difficulty. It's really important to remember the uh, the good, good father that we have because there are times when less than good things will be introduced into our lives, right? Have you experienced those times? Those times where you look and say, I don't want this. I don't need this. If I can rid this out of my life, right? This is anything but good. And it's in those times that we have to hold on to something or someone who's better than, the, than what we are experiencing. And it's in those moments that we need to remember and have a proper theology on the goodness of God. Because everything that God does and allows into our life is for our good and for his glory. That's what Paul told the church in Rome. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 says, All things work together for the good, who love, for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. The prophet Jeremiah reminds us that, that God knows the things that he has planned for us, right? He has thoughts of peace and not of evil for us. He does give us a future and a hope. And so we see all throughout the scripture the promise from this benevolent God who has good intentions for us. But oftentimes those good intentions can't be realized until perhaps we've experienced some less than good things that grow us in the process. I find something out about these disciples that I can kind of identify with. I find that the disciples, they really trusted Jesus, but but they only trusted Jesus to the degree that it made sense to them. They trusted Jesus with their head, but not so much with their hearts. Here's what I mean by that. I mean, these disciples, they knew what it was to go fishing. We know Andrew and Peter, obviously they were fishermen by trade. They knew, they knew when it was a good time to go fishing and when it was a bad time to go fishing. They understood just by looking at you know, what was on the horizon, whether or not it was a good day to get out in the boat, Right. And I'm sure that before this storm hit, they were kind of looking and saying, well, wait a minute, I don't know if this is a good idea. You see, they had some experience under their belt and what they saw on the horizon would dictate to them that it wasn't a good day to go out into a boat, but they trusted Jesus. And they figured if Jesus is saying, let's go on the boat, let's, let's head on out there. But you see, once they got out there and the wind started blowing and the rain started pounding, and the boat started to fill it with water, I'm sure there was a moment that they started to think, wait a minute. Jesus, why are we out here? Why am I going through this right now? Why did we have to do this now? Jesus, why did you choose now to bring us through this storm? Maybe you've asked yourself that question. Maybe you've, you've come to a point in your, in your life or a season in your life where you've looked and said, God, I trust you, but why now? Why am I going through this pain? Why is this hardship? Why can't I let this thing go? Why the hurt? God, why? God, I'm going through this journey of my life and my boat is, is being shook and the winds are blowing me all over the place and the water is starting to, to fill and I'm feeling very vulnerable right now. I'm feeling very small in the context of all that's going God, why? Now, Jesus, why would you allow me to go through this? It was an unusual direction that Jesus sent his disciples in. And there are times that Jesus will put us and send us in an unusual direction that will make us wonder if God really knows what he's doing. Now, we know well enough to not say that. But in the back of our minds, we're wondering, God, are you aware of what I'm going through? Not only is it an unusual direction that Jesus Sets his disciples in. But it's also a very unusual display of Jesus' presence... I remember what we saw in Psalm 46, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. An original reading in the Hebrew would be a present, present help in trouble. In other words, God in the times of storms, God's presence is there for us in a very unique way, a very powerful way. He is there, he is a present, present help. That was the psalmist's reality that was not so much the reality that the disciples were experiencing, at least at the moment. Because as the storm is brewing, and the disciples are beginning to freak out, Jesus is in the bow of the boat, and he is sleeping. Now, just, just as a side note, don't, don't people like that drive you crazy? Like, they, they could be sleeping through a hurricane. They could, a tornado could be carrying the house away, and they're sweet, and you just want to kick them, right? I mean, like, how can you sleep? Don't you realize there's a storm going on? What's interesting here, though, is that while Jesus was there in the boat with them, he really wasn't there the way they wanted him to be there. While Jesus was present with them, He wasn't necessarily present the way they thought He should have been. You ever feel like that, God? I know You're there. I've encouraged people that You care. I know You care. I know You're. I know You can change any circumstance in a matter of moments. I know You love me. I know. I know You're there, God. You're just not there. The way I need you to be right now. God, you're just not there the way I would expect you to be right now. Because, Jesus, if you were there the way I wanted you to be, I wouldn't be going through this storm. My boat wouldn't be filling up. I wouldn't be feeling the waves and the pressures of life like I'm feeling. Yes, you're a present help, but it doesn't seem like you're meeting my expectations. That's what they're thinking. Because they're getting frustrated. I mean, there he is. He's in the bow of the boat. And they're screaming and they're scared and they're bailing the water out. And they're wondering, how? How can he sleep? And Jesus always has a flair for the dramatic. I, I bet Jesus would be like, snoring away, sprawled out, right? The most dramatic, comfort looking sleep ever. And they are, they're freaking out. They're getting loud in the boat. Get the, you know, get the buckets, bail this thing out. Here's the you know, watch out for that. I'm sure they try to accidentally wake up Jesus. you ever do that? You're like, a oh, person's sleeping, I can't believe oh, sorry, did I wake you up. I, you're slamming the doors, dropping things, right? They, they are doing everything they possibly can to wake Jesus up, but there he is. He is sleeping in the boat. How, how can he be sleeping? a great picture of a God whose world doesn't get rocked during the storm. It's a great picture of a God who is over the storm even when he allows his children to go and be in the midst of the storm. Because Jesus is in control of all things. Jesus is at peace even in the midst of a storm. You know why I find that encouraging? Because I thought, that's good for you, Jesus. That's great, I'm glad you found peace in the storm, but what what about me? What about my peace? I love what Jesus says in John chapter 14. He says to him, look, my peace, he says, peace I leave with you, ready? My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, but my peace I give to you. I love this, peace I leave with you, my peace. The same peace that's able to sleep during a storm. That is available to you. My peace I leave with you. Let, therefore, let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Jesus was there with his disciples, which is probably why they felt comfortable getting in the boat in the first place. But he wasn't there for them the way they thought he should have been. The way they hoped He would have been. And water is getting in the boat. You know, sometimes God will give you the impression that he is pulled back. He doesn't. He never leaves you. He is always present. But there, have you ever had a season like that? You've wondered and say, God, are you there? What is going on in those moments? Why does God bring us through those seasons of life? He brings us through those through those seasons of life so we would learn to press in a little deeper. You see, as disciples, He is discipling us. He is teaching us. He is guiding us. Right? That's what the whole. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in this period of time that we live in. That He is sanctifying us, making us more and more like the one who was able to sleep in the boat. I'm not there yet, and I venture to believe there are seasons in your life you're not either but God will bring storms into our life so somewhere along the line we can learn to trust him and so here they are I mean they had about as much as they can have their concern over the storm has evolved into full blown terror as they cry out teacher don't you care that I perish? Don't you care that we're about to die? Do you you see how their fear brought them to the conclusion that Jesus doesn't care? Do you see what fear does? Their fear caused them, them to conclude that Jesus doesn't care. Do you see how the water inside the boat revealed what was on the inside of the disciples? Maybe, just, just maybe, maybe that's why God allows a little water in our boat sometimes. Maybe, maybe we can get so distracted doing life sometimes that we could be unaware of what's going on in the inside. But we need to remember that the Holy Spirit is working on us, right? And so he will bring some water into our boat to reveal some stuff on the inside that's not consistent with this new nature that we have been recipients of in Jesus Christ. You see, the problem with the disciples was the waves on the outside of the boat seemed a whole lot bigger, seemed a lot more powerful, a lot more influential than the one who was inside the boat. And that caused great fear in them. The waves, the storm, the wind, the rain, everything, it eclipsed the size and the power of the one who was in the boat with them. That's what fear does. That's what fear stands for: false evidence appearing as real, right? And it eclipses. You see, fear has a way of revealing the maturity or immaturity of our faith. Now those aren't my words, those are Jesus' words, at least those are Jesus' words to his disciples. After this whole episode, Jesus calms a storm and says to him, "Why are you so afraid?" Have you still no faith? Now, Jesus knew what he was going to do in their lives. He was going to bring them to a point where they have great faith, but they just weren't there yet. But you see, it's important to understand that Jesus is the one who put them in the boat. Jesus is the one who put them out in the storm. Jesus is the one who set that environment so that what was on the inside of them can be revealed. Be revealed. You know, the storm is merely a tool in the hand of God to show us what's on the inside so that He can grow us and sanctify us. You know, there's times in my life where I've wondered, God, why are you allowing this in? Why, God, why are you doing this, Lord? And it's not like God gets any kicks out of watching us squirm. That's not the good, good father that we sing about often. But he will place us in situations because of his love for us. He will allow some water to get in the boat, just like he did with his disciples, to show them not only what is on the inside of them, but to show them the power of the one who is with them in the boat to show them that he is their deliverer i mean here they are in the boat right the wind is blowing they are scared it's dark the storm is pounding the boat of their lives is filling up with water right they are feeling very out of control and they conclude this is it We are about to die. That's what they said. Jesus, don't you care that we're about to die? This is the end of our journey. And I love this. It says, and he woke up, lesson over, school is out of session. And Jesus wakes up and says, he awoke and he rebuked the wind. And he said to the seal, let's just stop there for a moment. Isn't that cool? that the same one who spoke these things into existence in Genesis chapter one still has the power and authority over creation. And Jesus gets up and he speaks, he rebukes the wind, he speaks to the sea and he says, peace, be still. And they come into attention at the sound of the creator. And there's a hush in response. And the wind ceased and there was a great, Calm. I like that. This great storm that we read about in verse 37 turns into a great calm at the voice of the Creator of all things. Jesus demonstrates His power over the storm. But here's the big takeaway the the disciples would have never known that Jesus had the power to calm a storm unless they get out in a boat and found themselves in the midst of a storm, only to learn that Jesus is more powerful. And so here's the question that begs to be answered. For each and every one of us, what storm do you find yourself in today? Has the water from the outside All of the chaos, all of the worries, all of the fears, all of the mixed messaging, all of the craziness that's going on in our world. It's a little crazier than usual, isn't it? There's a whole lot of opportunities to be distracted these days, right? And you know what, can I just say, what the church is doing, unfortunately, is we're so busy bailing out the water of our boats, holding on to political agendas and national narratives and and every other distraction that has come our way we are so focused on bailing the water out of our boat that we're getting off mission and we're failing to remember that God is over the storm and he's called us to march looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith what do the waves that pound in your life look like? maybe they're hurts from the past maybe they're broken relationships that remind you of failures you may have experienced. Maybe they're insecurities or fears that love to rear its ugly head at three o'clock in the morning. Have you had those storms? What do they look like? What do you do? Why? Why doesn't, don't you wish, I mean, let's be real, don't you wish God would just take those things out? But gone. No. No he draws them out. He brings them out. He brings us through circumstances and situations to redeem those times, to sanctify our life, to grow us more and more into the image of Christ. And so he allows storms into our life. He allows water to get into the boat. And so what do we do? What do we do when water gets in the boat? Has anybody had water in their boat? Am I the only one who's experienced. it. We know what it is, that water in the boat. Your water might look different than my water. It certainly looked different than my friend Willie's water. that it was like nasty water, right? But we all know what it is to be in a storm, right, that we wish we weren't in. So what do you do when you find yourself in the midst of a storm and water's getting in your boat? i gonna give you five quick things, just something that you could put in in action right away. Number one, What do you do when water gets in your boat? Focus on who's in the boat, not the water coming into your boat. Too much energy gets spent, too much time gets spent, too much distraction happens as a result of looking at all the stuff coming into our boat, and it causes us to get our eyes off the one who is in the boat. And as God's people, we need to remember that he is bigger and more powerful than the storm. And no matter what's coming into our lives, Jesus is in the boat with us. And he's going to get us on over to the other side. Secondly, what do you do when water gets into your boat? We need to remember that the Holy Spirit is about to teach us something about God and ourselves that only the storm can teach us. The only reason God brings us through the storm is that unique storm will bring stuff up in us and teach us something about God that we never knew. I mean, that's what happened with the disciples. They're like, hey, they had walked with Jesus, right? They'd seen Jesus do some amazing things. They sat under the teaching of Jesus. But now this storm helped them to see something about Jesus that they never knew before. They're like, who is this that even the wind's and the waves obey him. We knew he wasn't the ordinary, just the ordinary, any ordinary bear. He is, he is someone far bigger. That even the waves and the winds stand at attention at the utterance of his voice. When you find yourself in a storm, instead of being spending so much time trying to get out of the storm and trying to bail yourself out, take a moment of pause and say, Jesus, what uh, do I need to learn about you? What do I need to learn about me in the midst of the storm? Storms can be your most teachable moments. Number three, what do you do when water gets in your boat? Don't stress out over things you have no control over. We love to be in control. We actually have this thinking that we actually are in control of things. We, we control nothing. We control nothing. Don't stress out over things that you have no control over. Listen, if Jesus isn't worried, and he's not, neither should we be. I don't know all that's going on in the world today. I don't know. I mean, I've heard every possible scenario, narrative, you know, talking point. And it's like, you know, in the end of the day, I don't even care. Jesus, you're Lord of all things. And I'm just gonna keep my eyes focused on you and present the gospel of Jesus to everyone possible. And I'm gonna let you worry about it because I can't change it anyway. Don't stress out over the things you have no control over. Jesus said, my peace, I leave you. Sometimes, sometimes you have to fight for that peace. Sometimes you have to go after that light and hold on to that like a dog on a bone and allow the word of God to inform you so that that peace can't be shook by these temporary challenges of life. Number four, what do you do when water gets in your boat? Remember, you're going on over to the other side. Remember that he is going to bring you through this. No matter what's going on around you, Jesus is going to carry you through. That's what Paul told the Church of Philippi. He said, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, he will complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. His confidence was not in the Philippians' ability to accomplish a task. His confidence was in God's ability to keep that which we've entrusted into him, as Jude says. And you and I need to remind ourselves of that as well. In those dark moments, in when it seems like the wind is blowing and the, and the, and the waves are pounding and the boat is filling, it's in those moments that we need to remember, wait a minute, I am his workmanship created in Christ Jesus he's looking to teach me something in this. Teach me something about me and teach me something about him.
0: And then lastly,
4: what do you do when water gets in your boat? Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Storms don't last forever. Don't get so caught up in this journey of life that you forget the destination. We are pilgrims passing through, right? We we were not created for this place. This place is not my home. I don't belong here. Here's where I am for a season, but there's going to be a day where I step out of time and into eternity, and I'm going to be in that place that I was created to enjoy forever. He's going to carry me over to the other side. Until I get there, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be all kinds of things that will come my way that I need to deal with. I need to use the mind that God's given me. I've got to be informed and and navigate the seasons of life that God has me in. But as I do that, I'm walking with one focus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. Don't lose hope. And the psalmist as we read in Psalm 46, as he talked about the mountains being collapsing into the heart of the sea, its waters roaring and foaming, he concludes, this, he concludes that passage in verse 10 by saying this Be still and know I am God. Know deep in your knower, I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. Jesus is saying, I win. And because you're mine, you will win as well. Don't let the storm distract you. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word that leads us and guides us, informs us about you, and informs us even about ourselves. Lord, help us to lean into you in this crazy time of life that we find ourselves. Help us not to be distracted and discouraged by what we see. Help us to not focus on the water coming into the boat, but help us to remember the one who's in the boat and be reminded that that one loves us and has a plan and a purpose for our lives and we give you the praise and glory for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thanks for letting me be here with you.
5: Good morning, Grace family and friends. We are so glad you have joined us to worship at our online campus. I wanna take a moment and talk a bit about why we as a church encourage giving. Did you know that giving is considered an act of worship? It's true, Paul addressed the Philippian church on this very thing. In Ephesians 4, 18 through 19, Paul states, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Paul, of course, is referring to their offerings here. Paul continues, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Paul used these gifts to further the mission of spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. And just like Paul, Our mission at Grace Free Church is to share this good news throughout Schuylkill County. We want you to be a part of this mission as well. By partnering with us, we can reach the people of Schuylkill County. In fact, we can't do it without you. You may be thinking, how how do I partner with Grace Free Church? Well, one way is through giving. We made this partnership process very simple. In fact, we have several methods to assist you in joining this mission. You can mail your gift to the church, you can text your gift to 570-528-2060, or you can give online by clicking the Give Online button on this page. The Give Online button also has a recurring giving option, which is a great way to schedule your gift giving. We appreciate you and are excited to see what God has in store for this church.
1: your loving kindness Tore through the shadows Of my soul The work is finished The end is written Jesus Christ Thy living hope. Who could imagine savior i'm yours forever jesus christ my living grave has no claim on me
0: Thanks for joining us for this service. We hope and pray it was meaningful for you. We want you to know that we are for you and God is for you too. We will be putting out a ton of great content to help you through the week. You can check all of that out by following us on social media or making sure we have your email address by clicking the connect button. We hope you know you are loved here, but way more importantly, God loves you. Have a great week.